No, I forgot to grab lemonade, so I, this is just okay. a bunch of fireball whiskey. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I hope that you can see that we brought up the star. Oh, shit! That's like the real one? You got to take yeah. it off? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, like he drank, like it's well, his. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I made the movie, right? <laughs> I was actually reading about that today. Sid Haig's wife was complaining about uh, some money things, and people were like, well, won't you just release some new Captain Spaulding figures? And she said, well, we don't Bob own that. owns the rights to that. He didn't come up with the character. It's yeah. just his likeness. And it, like, he doesn't even need his permission at all to make new ones. That's kind of crazy. But that's that's what rights contracts are. Yeah. Yeah. They, I understand it. By the time I get done pouring this drink, Shit, if I, I created the whole I won't thing, be able to call. You know the right to be able to do it too. I get it. So yeah, I mean, like even even for my own movies, I have actors sign likeness right stuff that literally means I owned their face in perpetuity just for the movie though. <laughs> so like, so that way I don't need to go out of my way to like sign up like a new contract or like repay them again for their job just to like print them on the DVD cover or something. You know, um, some companies, however take advantage of that like i'm friends with david fielding who played zordon on power rangers and he signed a similar contract however he did not expect the company to use his face to make money for the next 30 years without giving him anything in return at any point and he got paid dick oh, on that wow. season you know well is that a real carousel horse or is that something that y'all built for the movie we bought uh so there we found uh, some guy i think it was on ebay at the time that was taking molds of real carousel horses and would like sell and it's like a hollow thick plastic but he had a bunch of different designs and a bunch of different styles and so we just kind of looked at all of them and said we like this one but we had to we added the horn it was just a horse originally oh yeah <laughs> it was like twelve hundred dollars just for just for him Oh, wow. All right. I'm not on call anymore, so. Are you Yay. good now? Yay. Yeah. So Matt can drink with us. <laughs> this is my husband, Matt. <laughs> all right. Hey, Matt. Oh. Matt, I'm going to make you do it again because you sound better. <laughs> Matt has the best voice of all of us. Oh, where do you want to do it? I don't even know. The welcome to Drunk Theory. I, was, I fucked up last time. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck it up every time. Is everybody ready? All right. All right. Welcome ready? to Drunk Theory. <laughs> there we go. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. Next to me is my wife, Kara. I'm Kelly. Her sister and her Matthew. husband, Matthew. <laughs> and then we are talking to Mr. Steve Radzinski. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried that wasn't right, but uh, I was it sounds. It sounds. I understand it looks intimidating, but it truly sounds exactly the way it looks. <laughs> I have gotten uh, Radinky a lot. Oh no. Uh, Radinsky, leaving out like the most prominent letter of the name. My favorite was Rudinowski because they added like five letters, and I don't know how that happened. I think but... C confuses people. Is it is it Polish? It looks like you would just say Rudzinski. Sir, I'm American. I don't know. I know, that's what I, mean, like, I, know I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Josh Theory, and we're already <laughs> off on a tangent. <laughs> we're here no with worries. Steve Rudzinski. Um, <laughs> 
the writer, director of Carousel, and a whole bunch of other awesome-ass movies. Go ahead and tell people a little bit about you. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I am a independent uh, filmmaker. I make mostly horror comedies, but I've also uh, jumped into some other genres just because I like to change it up and have a relatively diverse library uh, so that people can maybe find something that they enjoy. Uh, I'm most known for Karis Hell, but I've also directed a lot of other indie stuff that has gotten some press like Super Task Force One or the Meowie movies. And the super fucking weird Captain Z that I was hired to make, uh, which isn't as known these days, but when it first came out, for some reason, people cared about it. Um, my stuff has been obviously on Amazon Prime Video, Tubi TV. It's been on store shelves. It is available at all of my DVDs and Blu-rays are available at my website, silverspotlightfilms.com. And you can join my streaming subscription service, stevebuster.com for as low as $2.99 a month. And all of my stuff is in there. All of my bonus features are on there. There's exclusive stuff on there. And all of the Carousel 2 sneak peek news is on Steve Buster first. I signed up for that. <laughs> thank I'm you. I'm excited about Carousel 2 because I love the first movie. Well, thank um, you very much. I did too. I thought it was awesome. I had actually never heard of it before. Um, we were watching something else and it popped up. We're like, oh mm. shit, what is that? We have to watch that. <laughs> That's, that's been the so way everyone has found it. Like <laughs> this is this is what we love the horror comedy stuff, you know, the the trauma films, and you know just that kind of thing. And everything from the eighties, you know, also like you know, yeah. and yours has that feel, like with with the effects, you know, the way the the kills are, are yeah. very eighties, and we love that. <laughs> well, you know, it's important to me that you know it's obviously a comedy. Like I always I call Karis Hell a comedy. Uh, then I'll call it a comedy horror, but since it is still a comedy horror, the effects being good was really important to me. So we put a lot of money and time into the effects because as much as the movie is just meant to make you laugh, it's not meant to make you scared, cringe, anything like that. I still wanted the kills to look good. So that way, you know, if, you, if the humor doesn't hit for you, maybe you'll like the kills. <laughs> so what's your favorite kill from the movie? I mean, my favorite kill is when, uh, actually, it's our the makeup effects guy's cameo, Cody Rook is the smoking guy that hits his, gets his head turned into a Pez dispenser. <laughs> and that's my favorite kill because A, it looks great. It worked so well. And like when we were setting up the shot uh, that night for the head to fall into frame, uh, Cody like just dropped the head and the shot in the movie was our first and only take because the eye was perfectly in the shot. And I was like, fuck it, we're done. We're done. That's it. Going home. I, I love the... Uh... The girl against the tree where the unicorn is pulling the wire and you can see his hooves <laughs> and he's cutting her throat. Yeah. I think that that one was my favorite. Uh, that kills, uh, there's a little story with that in the fact that in the script, it just says he strangles her to death. You know, like I was thinking of like Crazy Ralph from uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. Like he just gets strangled and dies. So I was like, okay, she gets strangled and dies. Uh, the actress, uh, Jordan, asked, like, hey, am I going to get bloody? I'm like, no, you're not getting bloody. You're going to get fucking strangled, and then you die. That's it. She's like, oh, okay, I have this really nice dress I want to wear. She gets to set, and I'm like, all right, so we're just going to do the strangle, right? Like, there's not going to be any blood, right? Cody and Cody's like, dude, there's going to be so much fucking blood. Like, I have this whole frosting <laughs> static. It's going to spray all over. I was like, oh, hey, Jordan, so apparently you can get really bloody. Is that Okay. She was fine, but I felt so fucking bad. I hope she was able to save the dress because the blood was detergent-based. 
which means it's like mixed with detergent as opposed to Cairo syrup so that you can actually wash it out. Oh, that's neat. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I thought you just had to ruin your clothes. Right. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you make it certain ways, yes, but uh, Cody's recipe specifically is like, it uses a laundry detergent as a base for that reason. Um, obviously, anything that we put in an actor's mouth is usually going to be like the more syrup, you know, sugary one, so that they don't have to put laundry detergent in their mouth. But then other times that doesn't matter. Like my kill with the eye, that was the laundry detergent blood, and like it was a pull of laundry detergent over my eye. So even though my eye was closed through oh. the tear duct, I could taste nothing but laundry detergent all down my throat, all in my mouth, and it was. There's no free the laundry pod detergent challenge. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be your new one, like the third one. Just everybody does pod challenges and they die. There you go. So you are filming or about to start filming part two? Yes, we start shooting Carousel the second in April of 2021. It is currently February. If anyone's watching this in the future, so we are <laughs> two months away from shit. Jesus, two months away. <laughs> Where are you going to be filming? Can you tell us? We're going to be sticking some somewhat within the Pittsburgh area. There's still one location we need to um, lock down. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where that's going to be yet, but we're talking to a few different locations. That's going to be where the um, main part of the climax takes place. Uh, but otherwise, you know, this is a lower budget than the first one. That's one of the reasons why we were able to make the second one, uh, thanks to the fan support through the Kickstarter campaign. But we still like kind of went out of our way to write it in a way, just like okay, so. We are going to get a producer again. Let's try to make this like half the budget. And we kind of wrote with that in mind. So we aren't traveling too far. We have we do have less named characters, but there is still just as much violence. I want everyone to understand that. So like whereas or as in the first movie, someone only got an arrow in the neck. In this movie, one person is going to get their arms ripped off, an arrow in the neck, and their head cut off. You know what I mean? So oh, I'm trying yeah. to condense. <laughs> When we start shooting, it won't take long. Our shooting schedule is only about 10 days long. Um, I'm very effective at shooting. You can ask anyone that has worked with me or Scott Lewis, my go-to cinematographer. Uh, the biggest compliment I get from all of my cast and crew is, holy shit, we got done on time? And <laughs> like on schedule? What? I'm like, yeah, I was... I don't know how that's hard, but apparently it fucking is. Um, as for release, we're aiming for, and I have no reason to expect this to not happen, but at the same time, I don't want to like swear on my life and be wrong, but we are aiming for fall, maybe specifically October 2021 for release for Carousel II. Oh, sweet. <laughs> but I do, I do want to establish that it will be releasing first on DVD and Blu-ray only on, on my website. And then after that, it'll be on Steve Buster. I'm not sure when it will be on streaming. So if you're a fan of Carousel One, you know, follow my Twitter, follow my Instagram, follow the Facebook page. You know, keep keep your finger on the pulse because it will be a while before it pops up by chance if you watch another movie. So by any chance in Carousel Two, are we going to get any sort of like origin story for Duke, like how he became yes. what he is? Do we? Because we had talked about that earlier. Yes. 100% yes. It was very important to me that I wanted to put a couple little hints in the first film, but that that's not the part of the first film. The first film isn't Duke's origin. The right. first film is Duke's Who Am I? The start of that journey. The second film was always meant to get into more of the Who Am I in terms of both the literal 
where does Duke come from? But also, um, I'm more than a killer. I'm not just this. I'm also a father. And But we are absolutely going to find out what Cowboy Cool meant when he called Duke a Nazi Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. And the same guy coming back to do Duke's voice, right? Yes, yes. Every, uh, of, of the two people that did not die in the first film, Duke and Lori's MILF, Miss Lawrence, uh, they're both coming back. Miss Lawrence is back. Uh, Duke's child, Robbie, leapt into her arms at the end of the first film. He did not attack her or hurt her. She raises him. And now we're five years later. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, how did you get started? Um, like, what's the very first thing that you ever did that made you go, hey, man, I'm going to make movies? Army of Darkness. I saw Army of Darkness when I was like 12. Before that, I always wanted to create or write something. You know, when I was a little kid, it was like, I want to write comic books. And then it was, I want to write video game stories. And then at 12, Army of Darkness made me go, never mind, I'm going to make fucking movies. This is my bag right here. And I never changed my mind since then. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You probably noticed that Bruce Campbell, but also Jim Varney are very... Very influential to me as an actor in terms of facial expressions and emotionals. And I did not know this. Jim Varney actually started all his his character as local TV commercials. And they oh, got yeah. so popular, they turned them into movies. I didn't know that. Yeah, that. that yeah Jim Varney was like the first viral star basically oh, wow. like, like, he was like and wait there's more but they were like wait can we make a movie out of this guy and somebody said fuck yes the 80s but movies because that's all well, the well do you know how he got discovered not specifically exactly. I read okay story. so well like yeah they were yeah he did local tv commercials for like a bunch of different like local southern states and like i have the dvds of like hours of just commercials and i will watch them and oh, laugh man, the whole time <laughs> I love Miller Yeller because that's the soda that, you know, earn is sold. So I still drink Miller Yeller to this day. Um, but what happened was that, like, uh, one of the, I forget which one specifically, but one of the Disney execs went to a, a race. I forget if it was like a, a Daytona or like a Formula 500. I forget which one. But he went to a race, and he's just there hanging out, and then all of a sudden, Ernest stands up, and the crowd loses its fucking shit. And this Disney executive went, why are we talking to this guy? <laughs> and then they talked to that guy and, you know, and John R. Cherry and, like, they got the rights. And then, you know, Disney produced the first four Ernest movies. And then from there on out, Cherry self-produced the rest of the Ernest movies. That is funny. I didn't know Ernest movies were Disney movies. The first four, yeah. yeah. I was thinking I really Or I mean, Ernest also did, like, a bunch of promotion for Disney. He was the first, the first uh, character to ride Splash Mountain when it first opened in Florida. That was there's like a whole twenty minute long video movie short movie about that. No, that is so much stuff. I'm I'm a huge Ernest fan, so that is great. Yeah, the the scene where he uh, Ernest goes to jail and he's on the jury and he the the goddamn fat is probably the funniest scene I've ever seen in my whole life. (laughs) Nobody can pull that off like him, and it's perfect. Jim was a god, was a god. Like it makes me sad every single year when the anniversaries of his death rolls around and I remember that he's not with us anymore. It makes me really bummed out. He died of lung cancer. Don't smoke kids. I'm sorry. 
Oh, I'm over here. I've been like five cigarettes just since we started. It was so. It was like. And some of the behind the scenes stuff on the DVD they include because Cherry talked about that, like how how much it hurt him to lose Jim, not only like from a business perspective, but they were close friends. And he would just talk about how like, you know, you had you had Jim as the earnest character doing like an anti-smoking commercial for the kids, but like it would take like 45 takes because he would keep on coughing and like not being able to stop. And like it it, it like they show that footage and like it's really painful to watch, especially knowing how Jim ends up, but you motherfuckers made me talk about Ernest. I'm gonna fuck <laughs> it. I'm not gonna. So, so what was your first job in TV? Like, what was the first thing that you did? I mean, that's hard to say because, like, I've been doing bullshit as long as I can remember. Like, since I was like a kid in high school, I was doing backyard shit. Uh, then I was like doing shit in New Jersey. I was doing uh, some shit in while I was like moving around in Texas when I was in California. I'm not sure what I could say my first job was, what was uh, the, in terms okay. of everything that I've been doing. What was, the, what was the first time you actually directed something that either you wrote or someone else wrote? Like, when was, when was your first time being in charge? We'll say that. Uh, I mean, I made a horrible high school movie called Archangel's Fall, which is not available anywhere. Do not fucking ask. I will kill you. But I was like 16, like a challenge. <laughs> 17. Um, then when I was 18 in 2005, I made a shitty garbage movie called Legends, which is only on Steve Buster. And also the exclusive feature on Steve Buster where I get really drunk and just insult the fucking movie for an hour while I get progressively more drunk is also on Steve Buster because I fucking hate that movie. Uh, <laughs> well, now I feel like I have to subscribe to this also. She subscribes so we can watch it. I'm going to go home uh, and watch all of that. The year, a- the year after that was the Wolfster movie. So I was 19. That was 2006. Um, then I tried to make my first feature in 2007 called basic slaughter um which is also it, that one's really bad because i didn't know what i was doing it was like too it was like too much of a a cast too much of a crew like that movie failed because of my inexperience completely i'm glad i did it because i learned from it but it's a really really badly made movie with really bad pacing really bad acting which was my fault not their fault um and again that one's only on steve buster because i stopped selling that physically because <laughs> uh, i'm ashamed of it uh, after that, I did a, um, a couple online series. I worked with my colleague, Henry Kuto to make a online series called Two is a Crowd, which was just like an eight episode weird ass internet sitcom before that was more common. Um, that's on Steve Buster in HD. And I also did the, this 12 episode series, which ended up being like a full two hours long with all 12 episodes called BG Spoofs in like late 2008. And that one was, that one wasn't bad. I thought that I did a decent job with that. You know, not every episode is a winner, but it really came together and made sense and it was coherent. And the few fans that it had did enjoy it. And when I rewatched it, when I was putting it onto Steve Buster, I was like, this isn't that bad for 2000 fucking eight. Um, and that's where I took like kind of like a couple of years off because I wasn't sure what to do with my life and my career. I was moving around a lot. I was going through like different life events i didn't know who i was as a person or what i was doing with my life but then in 2010 i kind of got the re the rejuvenation of just like no i want to fucking make movies so let's make movies so what i consider my first career film 
Um, all that does exist. Like, I'm not saying like that is fake or anything, but like my first film of my actual career was the short that I made called The Slasher Hunter, which I released in 2011, which is a parody of 80s horror movies where a government agent named The Slasher Hunter, of course, um, has to fight parody versions of like Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers and Chucky and Leatherface in order to protect this one nerdy piece of shit guy who is so jam full of the survivor gene that like everyone around him within 10 miles cannot die. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. And people, I love that. Isn't it? And people really liked it. There's so much you could do with that. Like, I, yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah. It almost reminds me of push when they have certain powers and you could hide people, but being able to protect people in a horror movie would be like, they're Oh no, I want her to go with me. No, she's coming in my car. Well, we'll follow right behind you. Like you could like with a limit. Yeah. So that that's a great fucking idea. Well Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I had kind of like the thought like, it. is there like a is there an in-universe reason why there's always a survivor? Like one out of these 10 kids always makes it. Is there a scientific reason? Yes, the survivor gene occurs in one in every 10 humans. They scientifically have studied it. But this one specific kid is jam full of so much of it that they want to kidnap him to study him and they need to get to him before the slashers do because the Freddy parody, Frank, wants that power for himself. Right. And he gets it by sucking his dick because the survivor gene is in the <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> if, you, if you ever wanted to see uh, basically Freddy Krueger clawing his knives into the floor towards a man saying, I need to blow him more, the slasher hunter is for you. <laughs> well, the slasher hunter is definitely for me. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you're working on right now other than Carousel 2? I'm a one at a time guy. Like seriously, like whenever I'll I'll release or like I'll just wrap on a movie and start doing like the convention tour with a movie and people will always be like, "What's next?" I'm just like, "Still selling this one." Uh, <laughs> Get back to me when I make some of this fucking money back. Maybe I'll have something. But I'm kind of focused right now. I mean, we we've you know we've we've talked Carousel three. Uh, we've talked uh, a horror musical idea. I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> like like Repo, the genetic opera kind of. Um, I'm friends with a lot of people that worked on that movie. Uh, I'm like I'm like best buddies with um Ogre, Nipic Ogre, uh, the guy who plays Potty. Yeah. Um, I actually became, enjoy that. I joined that. I enjoy that one a lot. Most people that's, not, but if I put yeah. it on, I, I love it. Everybody's like, I know, really love that the fuck is this? Most of the time, but a lot of people like it. I love everyone that's in that movie. I love all the music in that movie. I love the way that movie looks. For some reason, something doesn't completely click altogether for me. I do not dislike yeah. the movie. I do not dislike the movie. I always try to like super clarify that because people think you know if you don't like it, you hate it. That's the that's the kind of world we live in when it comes to entertainment. But like, I'll listen to the soundtrack any fucking day of the week. But when it's like time to watch the whole movie all together, it's just like okay. But at the same time, like, I know so many people that legitimately worked on that movie. I know the people that worked on the music. I know the people that were shooting the movie. You know, I know so many of the actors, the cast, the crew. So, like, I still have a special place in my heart for that film. But for some reason, I can't love the whole package together. It's weird. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. For, for me, I was never a huge fan of that one. But when, uh, well, I'm not a huge fan of musicals, to be 
begin with, but when I think about horror and I think about musicals, it's got to be Rocky Horror. And to me, that is that's shock what... treatment, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rocky Horror so much, but you know, I think that that one is kind of the perfect horror musical, and everything else, you know, doesn't do it for me. I I respect the hell out of Rocky Horror, but the for me, the movie loses me. And isn't as good, like, as soon as Frankenfurter fucks, fucks them. You know, like, at that, at that moment in the movie, everything gets way less interesting and weirder in a way that I don't like. Everything up to that point, I'm into it. And then the movie loses me. Whereas its sequel, Shock Treatment, keeps me the whole time, baby. I love Shock Treatment. But... Shock Treatment is the sequel to Rocky Horror. I didn't know that that was a thing. There is not one other movie with that's a we'll say a whole movie with singing with Meatloaf. Technically he sings a little (laughs) bit in Tenacious D at the very beginning, but not enough to count. Unless your movie has Meatloaf the whole way through. Well, Meatloaf didn't sing the whole way through Rocky Horror. He showed up sang and then died. Yeah, but if you're saying that, well, but if you're saying that he needs, if you're saying that he needs to be a movie where Meatloaf gets a whole song, yeah, watch the movie Stage Fright from 2014 because that is another horror musical, really? and Meatloaf plays the guy that owns the musical camp. Well, now I'm not watching that. Oh yes, exactly. I'm a terrible show over here. Oh wait, horror musicals. <laughs> There's one with a Backstreet Boy where he plays a, a vampire, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. When you I, see, when I'm talking about that. that. I don't want to hear I can't remember what it's called. It's the goofiest <laughs> thing ever. Uh, I'm, t- I'm typing Backstreet Boy Vampire Musical to see. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know which Backstreet Boy it is. Or was it? Are we sure it was Backstreet Boy? I no, it's Joey Fatone. No, it's not Joey Fatone. No, it's not Joey Fatone. Where's my phone? Right. I don't think it's right I, I found an article for Backstreet Boy on board for Vampire Movie Musical, but I'm not finding the actual Name movie it? itself. <laughs> I bet it's, they, all, it's on Amazon. Oh, they made it. Okay. 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 The, the Bloody <laughs> Indulgence, I think. The Bloody Indulgence? No, that's, that's not it. No. Okay, that's, that's the only thing I found. <laughs> We're about to start Googling. Because it's um, ridiculously ever. But it's- Have you seen the Evil Dead musical? No. It's fucking excellent. It's my favorite musical, by far. I feel like I would probably love it. It's, it's you know, you know, musical. If you aren't aware of folks listening at home that have not been to theater, uh, musicals are generally two acts uh, with like an intermission in the middle. The Evil Dead musical, the first act is the first Evil Dead movie, and the second act is the second Evil Dead movie, all told as one continuous story and it works so well and the music is so fun and it's a fucking blast and if you see it live there is a splash zone where the first three rows are very specifically (laughs) you will get bloody oh that's neat i was looking at it yeah bloody indulgence no that's i promise that's not it okay well thank you for also finding that (laughs) it has a bank recording yeah Surely two Backstreet Boys didn't do Yeah, it. how many Backstreet Boys were in how many vampire musicals? Are you sure <laughs> it's not the bloody indulgence? Because that sounds like they're even alive right now. Like there can't be that many. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like there's maybe all maybe all, all five of them were in a vampire musical. <laughs> and that's where the confusion's coming from. 
That just yeah. that just doesn't click in my head. And she was it. probably drunk when she saw it. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> she or maybe it became something different when it when it was. It was. It, it's like something when you think about it. You know what? That's actually fair. When you get drunk. I, I, I just want to say, Kelly, that's actually fair. A lot of movies will get their names changed by the distributor when it yeah. gets picked up by another company. Like so, something really goofy. So the, like, I feel like the, the articles we're finding could be like what the creator named the movie, and then it got picked up by a studio or distributor, and they changed the name. Because Karis Hell almost became just Killer Unicorn, and I actually fought against that. It was the only thing that I was just like, look, you guys are the distributor. You're buying the rights. I get it. You know more than me, but we already have a whole year of awards and reviews and like support with this title that is going to alienate. Because they haven't changed anything and they need to change something. They need that. The name is great. I don't know. But it's already done. They they can't change anything, but they they have to say something. Well, let's just try. They did. They they did cut out the sex scene for the streaming release. Did you say they did or they didn't? They did. That's on the DVD and on Steve Buster and on the Blu-ray, obviously, uh, this, there's a full two-minute long, well, minute-and-a-half-long sex scene between Sarah and Duke, which is not on Prime or Tubi. On Prime and Tubi, she strokes the whore and cuts the block. You hear her orgasm. But in the movie, oh, right. like six different positions. Oh, shit. <laughs> And I could watch that too because I. And he and he eats her out. She yeah. blows him. She rides him, dog style, horsey movie. style. What's it called now? Vampire Burke's Serenade. Oh my god! But that's a way worse title. But when I looked it up, it has the same picture as Bloody Indulgence, <laughs> which came out in 2015, and Vampire Burke's Serenade 2020. So I wonder, they re- they released it under a new They movie. shot that movie in 2011 and it didn't come out till 2020? Yeah. <laughs> it was probably yeah. real good. So, no, the, the 2015 version so says it's unavailable. Maybe the first one didn't have the Backstreet Boy and they reshot with the Backstreet Boy. <laughs> but, he's, but he's on the fucking title. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it, both. it was probably in the original and they re- renamed it and put him like super forefront in it without telling. Oh, if any of my actors ever become famous, I'm re-releasing that movie with their faces only <laughs> the like poster. Like, 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 no like, fucking like, question. Leprechaun and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. yeah, it was like all about the Leprechaun and then a week later, Jennifer Aniston's face is all over everything because of Friends. And everybody's like, who is this? Oh, it's that new show. What about the Leprechaun? Who? Leprechaun. Hey, Warwick Davis got so many paychecks from that franchise. I'm happy for him. <laughs> And Leprechaun 3 and 4 are a fucking blast. Yeah. What do you think about Leprechaun in space? I I, that's four. It's my oh, favorite yeah. one. I can't even remember that three one. Is I didn't, for, the, for whatever reason, I didn't see Leprechaun 4 in space until like three years ago. Not like on purpose, just like I didn't get to it. You know, there's so many, there's infinite fucking movies. Yeah. Get off my fucking back, internet. <laughs> Um, but I finally watched four, and I literally had to like post on Facebook, like to everyone that knows me and didn't tell me to watch Leprechaun Four, go fuck yourself because <laughs> this was amazing, and you all should have known that I would have loved this. In like the nineties and two thousands, people got pissed about horror movies in space. I love but space three of my favorites. Movies. Leprechaun space Jason is the best. That's the best yeah, but Leprechaun in space, Jason X, and. Uh, 
the Hellraiser that starts his phase. Or Bloodline. Yes, but it actually explains what actually happens and the Marchand croquetting the box and the, the magician that do all that is great. And the fact that, what's his name from Parks and Rec? Uh, what's his Ron Swanson? No, no, the, <laughs> what's her name's husband? The one that's Chris the city planner. No, this, the, his, his guy. Oh, I, the dork. I yeah, about. the dork guy <laughs> from Parks and Rec is like the assistant to the magician, and he's like a bad guy. That's like his first big Adam movie. Adam Scott. Adam Scott, yeah, it's so oh, good yeah, to yeah. see him as a bad character. <laughs> he was in But I, like, I, I, I love four. I like I liked all the, I like a lot of the Hellraiser movies. I love Clyde Barker as a writer, but four with the explanation to me is one of my favorites, and everybody hates it because it starts in space, but just pretend space. it's not in space, and it's just a I've background had, movie. So I have three things to say. Uh, one, I've been called part of the Adam Scott Pokemon evolutionary line. Like I'm either before Adam Scott or after Adam Scott in terms of like eyebrow movement and shit. Um, two, I also love Jason X. It is either my third or fourth favorite Friday the 13th movie. Right. Um, I like three, five, X, and six. And I think just X and six switches from time to time. Um, I love five because I love Roy and the blue mask looks cooler. And the fact that Roy has the same motivation as Pamela Voorhees is actually very thematic for the franchise. And it does not get enough fucking credit for that. Um, and uh, Bloodlines actually introduced a lot of cool shit with the lament configuration as to how they're made and like how they're developed and stuff. I don't know if you ever read any of the comics that Clive Barker wrote. For I Hellraiser. loved them. I had a signed one that I sold. I'm so pissed. But there's so many. There's. I, did you read the, the arc? which um, was about, like, there's different toys that go to different parts of the Leviathan realm. No. I yeah, there's there's I one have... arc. I think it was the one where, uh, uh, oh, I feel like an idiot, but I've been drinking. The main character from the first two Hero Razors, is that Lori? Yeah, Lori, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Lori is, like, part of this task force that's hunting these things down to destroy them. And, like, like they find, like, a carousel and it, like, brings out these, like, weird carnival centibites. And there's another one that brings out, like, these clockwork centibites and shit. And this, the arc ends with her becoming the new Pinhead because Pinhead Damn. has to pass on the powers. See, I should that's know that. The, the fourth one in space, the actual, uh, the Earth part of it is an architect who makes a building that's like the, the box. The building opens it somehow. Like walking through the building a certain way is how you open the puzzle box. Yeah, the so idea is that it doesn't matter how you do it. It's just as if it's a puzzle and you can open it, you get yeah. centibytes. So that actual idea has made me say for years that my fan theory is that Event Horizon takes place in the Hellraiser universe and that the Event Horizon hyperspace device is one of those puzzles that opens up a realm to the fucking Leviathan. And, um, oh, fuck. Curse this alcohol. The actor. More. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, the actor, uh, Alan Grant. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Sam Elliott. Thank you. Not Sam oh, Elliott. Sam. That's Roadhouse. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Sam Neill. Sam Neill. There we go. Uh, thank you. Uh, and since Sam Neill was the first to uh, opened the portal, Sam Neill becomes a Cenobite in Event Horizon for that part of the Leviathan realm that he opened. And see, a lot of people, I've, a lot of people, I've heard like uh, say Event Horizon was in the Warhammer 40k. I've heard that a lot too. To me, what you just said makes more makes way more sense because he chooses to open it. He wants the, the exactly. 
He wants like, it's exactly like open. Doug Bradley yeah, exactly. opening he the box. He wants the drive open to let them come through. It's not like the other movie. He wants that drive open to let. Like, I feel like Sam Neill basically again. was saying, "I have such sights to show you." Exactly like, <laughs> in a different way. Thank you. Um, I'm also good buddies with Doug Bradley. He is a lovely gentleman. And right. We've met him. Yeah. 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 Yes. I worked on a film with Doug Bradley. I was the only actor that got to act with him, and goddamn what a pro. But we clicked really well. We got along. We joked. But one of the things that I did was just like, hey, do you mind if we get a picture, you know, to say like, hey, you know, we work together. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, great. Um, I'm gonna, I have this puzzle box. Can you act like I'm the eighth dude in the past 10 minutes to say, hey, you're the guy from Hellraiser? So I have this great picture of me pointing at the puzzle box and he's just going, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, we got I, I have a similar picture when I worked with David Fielding on Super Task Force One because we shot that near my house. I was like, hey, can you come to my house for a second? Uh, we're going to get a picture. I'm going to hold up this Zordon action figure. Can you just act like you're really upset with me? And it's just David Fielding staring at me like he's going to murder me as like I'm pointing <laughs> at Zordon all excited. I like I like pictures like that. My buddy, uh, Bill Murphy, who co-wrote the Meowie movies with me, uh, he's, a, he's like me, he's a really big pro wrestling fan. And there was this one Japanese wrestler that came to, I don't know if it was a Ring of Honor show or if it was like a local indie show, but it was a Japanese wrestler who had all this promo pics, poses like a princess. <laughs> and he's like this super tough fucking dude. So this guy's taking pictures of like fan after fan or fan. He's just like, putting up his fist, putting up his fist, like the generic pose. Bill gets up and he's just like, hey, uh, thank you for coming out here. It's so nice to meet you. The guy's like, yeah. And then Bill poses like a princess. The guy looks at him and gets so excited. He's just so happy. And then he poses like a princess. So then Bill has this amazing picture with that guy of them both, you know, hands under their chin, looking at a leg up, hooked. Beautiful. So is there any chance of us seeing you at a con? You've got I mean, one coming up, don't you? Didn't I say yeah, I'll be a guest at Tampa Bay Screams in March. I am terrified because, as we all know, Florida has been the cesspool of COVID yes. since the start. <laughs> I can't um, believe they're actually having... I mean, I know the guys running it, like, actually, they like they aren't anti-vaxxers. They are not COVID deniers. They are doing everything that they can to make it as safe as possible. Um, I am in desperate need of money because conventions are where I get most of my sales, so I'm doing it. Um... <laughs> But like they're at least they're they keep on like saying in every single post like fucking mask above the fucking nose. I'm not yeah. fucking kidding, fuckers. <laughs> we will throw you fucking out. Uh, we are temperature checking fucking everyone. Do not fucking touch anything. Like they're doing what they can. So my butthole is puckered. <laughs> but based on everything that they keep on saying and describing, it has given me at least enough confidence to try to be optimistic. And it's only two days long. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm just, I'm hoping it goes well. And if that goes well, then that might help justify me doing other horror conventions throughout the country. If they are able to handle it as well as Tampa Bay hopefully handles it. Um, but again, you know, until we, the vaccine comes out and things get a little bit more under control, who knows? But, you know, before the world ended, yeah, I've been at a guest at a few different conventions. I've been around the country, and I would like to do that again. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I would love to tour Carousel the Second really hard to a lot of horror conventions around oh, the country. Oh, do it. Go to Mad Monster in Charlotte next year. It's okay, maybe I will. What you should do, you should bring 
the fucking uh, horse, the horse and, and charge people, people for pictures. Yeah, to take a picture on top of it with you next to them, they would people would pay for that out the ass. I would not trust anyone getting on top of Duke. Yeah, yeah. You, you could let him stand next to. Oh him. yeah, next to it. Yeah, next to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I, there was also a convention that was trying to happen in the Pittsburgh area over the summer because at that point the cases were dropping and they were like feeling safe enough to do it but then everything went to hell again it didn't happen but um gross fest in washington pennsylvania was going to be the first time duke himself made an appearance at a convention and unfortunately that didn't happen so um for the sake of gross fest since they treated me so well i'm going to save the first appearance of duke for the next gross fest that does happen it's a smaller <laughs> one but it's a it's a solid one it, uh, it, it was a one-day show, and then this year was supposed to be, like, the first two-day show because they finally built up enough audience and then COVID. So we'll see what happens the next time, hopefully. We actually got married at Mad Monster, and Sid Haig married us. And That's amazing. Uh, as Captain Spaulding. Yeah. <laughs> and then he ate cake with us. Yes. <laughs> he was so sweet. I miss Sid so much. I hung out with Sid a couple of times at Cinema Wasteland. He was uh, so nice. Uh, I remember one one morning when we both went to the computer room of our of the hotel, the Holiday Inn that they host Cinema Wasteland in, and we were just like, pr- I I was putting out, I think like a new price list or something because I realized something was like super wrong on my sheet, and he I think was getting his flight tickets printed out for the next day, and we just both looked out the glass window at the same time and just watched everyone walk by, and I just looked at Sid and went what are we fucking doing with our lives? And he just said, I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's my, like, we've got, we've gotten drinks before and stuff, but like, that's my favorite experience with Sid Haig. It's just that (laughs) singular moment of just like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. He made signature drinks the weekend of the wedding, but I didn't get to stay because I had to go to bed and not look crappy the next day because I was getting married. <laughs> so I didn't have any of his signatures. We, we drank them, didn't we? I'm oh, sure yeah. we all did. We did. Yeah. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah, even though they had to get up and do like our makeup and everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. The videos on YouTube, you can watch it. We did good on the makeup, I think. Yeah, they were skeletons. Yeah. I, oh, went, I was Leslie Vernon. He and was I, Alex. And I was from Alex from Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, Leslie Vernon was also in one of was almost in one of my movies. Like literally the character Leslie Vernon, um, who would have also been voiced by um uh Ethan Nathan, Nathan Basil, that's why. Um and we were in talks about it, but then I just rewrote the script and the scene didn't work, so Leslie Vernon wasn't in. But Leslie Vernon was also was almost in the Slasher Hunter sequel, The Survivors. Oh, he should have been. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I reworked the originally there was gonna be like another Moss Odyssey scene that had like a bunch of slasher monsters throughout the fucking era, like a tall man parody and like like a hatchet parody, and then a Leslie Vernon was gonna be there, literally Leslie Vernon. I even like got an okay from the director at the time and everything, and I was just gonna get someone to dress as the suit and have you know Bezel voice it. Um, but then I reworked the script to make the survivors more of a parody of specifically 90s slashers, since the slasher hunter was 80s. And I was just like, okay, this doesn't work anymore. But you know, I still talk to Nathan once in a while, so maybe in the future we'll do something. I don't know, but he's actually really busy being an editor and like a producer and stuff, so good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see Leslie Vernon with just like a Robin type sidekick learning. Like he like he, he's learning from the older guy and they just had kind of meetings. I'd like to see in action someone learning from him 
while they're killing people in the new movie, it'd be fun. But it's been so long since the old one, I figured it probably won't happen anytime soon. But that's just, I love that idea of like a sidekick character learning how to murder people. <laughs> like with all the little secrets he does, he got a lot of cardio. You got to do all that. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I love all <laughs> that. Because it makes it so realistic. So I'd like, as realistic as you can, but yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have the axe from the Silver Spotlight universe learn from Leslie Vernon. That would be great, yeah. yeah. See, <laughs> I, I, like, you never see someone learn from someone else. They're always just a killer. Like, yeah. I want to see someone learn. That's the funny part, yeah. Well, axe and the, first kill. The, uh, the axe killer in Cares Hell, that's the third time he's been in a Silver Spotlight movie. Axe was first in the Slasher Hunter where he was this dipshit slasher that has never killed anyone because everyone knows where he hides. And then... <laughs> And then in the movie Red Christmas, it's about uh, a woman that likes to kidnap, torture, and kill men at around Christmas time every year. Um, and she kills her first victim and ends it. But then at the same time, Axe is like, oh, I'm going to go slash people in here. What the fuck is happening? And then she has to capture him. And then it's a back and forth with Axe from the slasher hunter and this fucking insane woman that does this as actually better at it than him. And then he comes back again in Cares Hell where he gets killed by Duke. <laughs> so, <laughs> new horror, like, that's not yours. What are you, what are you watching right now? What are you, what are you loving? I'm going to be honest. There's not uh, too, too, too much that I've been getting into when it comes to modern horror. And that's not like a <laughs> modern horror sucks. <laughs> I just mean, like, I'm fucking busy. And, <laughs> like, I don't have much time to watch a lot of new stuff. Um in terms of at least like recent as opposed to like right now, I will say um, that that Pendulette movie Director's Cut was fucking phenomenal as a creator. I love Director's Cut. Um, I forget what year was finally its official release date. I forget if it was like 2018 or 2019, but like it was in my top five of the year. If you know anything about filmmaking at all, watch Director's Cut and you're going to lose your fucking mind. It's about this Kickstarter backer that's the top Kickstarter backer on this movie because he stalks one of the actresses that's in the movie that they hired. And then he kidnaps her and like interspliced with the real movie is a bunch of his like shitty cell phone footage and his bad editing to try to make his own movie to make her the star of this film. And like, there's parts of the movie which is like, I couldn't breathe laughing. And then there's parts of the movie which is just like, this is genuinely unsettling and unnerving. Um, one Cut of the Dead, again, like as a creator, One Cut of the Dead is um, I wanted to see that. I have not seen it. No. I, bought, I bought it on Blu-ray with the steel box. And it's just like, look, all I'm going to say is when you watch the movie, definitely keep watching past the credits. One hundred percent. We will do that. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen it yet, I know you like uh, practical effects. Psycho Gorman. Oh, that's was just great. So... <laughs> I, I've heard nothing it. but good things about PG, and I will get PG rated it. R is great. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was really good. But off the top of my head, I would say those are the two that, like, at least recently, that like, I I would suggest to like almost anyone, but especially if you know anything about creating, anything about filmmaking, or you're interested in it, those two movies, especially One Cut of the Dead, in terms of like the passion of what that movie is and like what they do, and there's a character that's just me, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Director's Cut is like free on Prime, and One Cut of the Dead is on Shutter, and if not, again, like I bought the steel box Blu-ray, and it was twenty bucks or whatever, worth every cent, if you ask me. 
I'm just drinking straight whiskey. So I know, I see that. Go fuck yourself. Me too. I've got Jim, I've got, I've got Jim Bean. Yeah, I, 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 I don't shot. like mixed drinks. You got that drink. fireball. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. Fireball. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's just nasty. I feel like it would give me heartburn for fucking days oh, if I did. I, I never had it until a few years ago. And then I did a Marvel job because I also work for Marvel Live as Spider-Man. Um, and like after the, the gig, me and the other actor were like just walking the streets of Columbus hitting up the bars. And we told this one bartender, yeah, we work for Marvel. We were doing the gig at the baseball stadium today. He's like, oh, shit. And then he just walked over like just two cold glasses and just like, here you go. It's on the house. And we're like, what the fuck is this? And I sniffed it. It's like, is this cinnamon? And my buddy said, this is fireball. Up until that point, I thought a fireball was a mixed drink. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was yeah. like a specific cocktail. And I sipped it and went, this is bad because I love this. And ever since then, <laughs> ever since that bartender gave me a free hit as a dealer, <laughs> you got now I, I, I drink the shit by the bottle. Well, other than fireball, what other kind of drink do you like? What's your second favorite uh, I like Kraken a lot, the dark rum. Mm -hmm. I'll drink that straight a lot. And it also mixes well with a lot of stuff since it's a darker rum. If I'm mixing it with a soda, Southern Comfort works, but I don't like Southern Comfort by itself at all. Uh, I don't either. It's like thick and syrupy. Yeah, like it, like they made that whiskey to mix with soda. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't drink it mixed with soda, it's not good. <laughs> um, Crystal Head Vodka is my fucking jam. Oh, we had some of that. We got it for Christmas from my aunt. Yes. It was really good. Came with yeah. glasses and everything. Uh, I got Get the it, not last Christmas, but the Christmas before. I got the like the ninety nine dollar size, like actual human skull size bottle. Oh wow! <laughs> um, I still have it because I don't drink that much. I have like I basically have a fully stocked bar in my house all the time, and I don't drink that much alcohol that often, so it lasts forever. And then when I run out of one thing, I just have to replace the one thing. So it was a heavy upfront investment. Yeah. <laughs> we also have a stock bar and we do the themed drinks for every show. So I look like a total alcoholic. Because <laughs> I'm always going to the liquor store, always buying different stuff. But when you know, the truth <laughs> is, is that we have a lot of stuff in the bar left over. But yeah. <laughs> it looks like I just buy a ton of alcohol yeah. every two weeks. You ever had any of the 99, like 99 bananas, 99 raspberries? I mean, I'm sure I have, but I've never explicitly bought it. You know <laughs> Jeannie I mean? bought us a big ass bucket <clears throat> and it's got 20 little bottles of different flavors of the 99 and you just put ice in it and then just set it on the counter. She said she wants us to use it for the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Because I was thinking White Claws for basic whiskey. Oh, I can't do White Claw. You ever had a White Claw? That's no, I haven't. Oh, son, don't drink it. Yeah, I still have some from when, like, <laughs> six months ago when I bought a patch. That's my a lot of people I work with were talking about White Claws and how good they were, so I was like, fuck it, I'll try it and see. I mean, I like malt drinks and, like, flavored, like, alcohols. That's not so, what this is, though. Uh, this is that's what I heard that, like, a White Claw flavor is, like, the flavor of what the White Claw is supposed to be is on TV static in the room next to you. That's exactly what it yeah. is. <laughs> That's a perfect description. That shit is. And that made me never want a White Claw. I don't know why they caught on. I don't know why they got so big. I, just, I mean, probably just because they're low-calorie alcohol. And that, like, that's a big thing. Like, I like those malt beverages. I like hard cider, you know, 
whenever Smirnoff does their red, white, and berry, which is basically like a pop rocket, popsicle, oh, yeah. except as alcohol. I love them, but at the same time, like one bottle is 250 calories. I'm like, I don't need to fucking drink 250 calories in 10 minutes. <laughs> so, like, I'm not crazy about my diet and weight, but I don't need that many calories that fucking fast. That's my line in the sand. Well, I don't ever, ever think about that. We're Southern people. I have to wear spandex for my other half of my career. So that's right. You have to look good in spandex. I do not have to look good in spandex. I look fucking great in spandex. (laughs) Look me up on Instagram at Dark Mullet. You're welcome. Oh, I'm I'm not funny. Spider Man's got cake. (laughs) That means ass. Well, I know we tend to get way off topic. Is there anything you would like to talk about that we didn't ask you about, or I mean, (laughs) I get asked the questions. I'm usually not showing up on a show being like, "Can you ask me this specific?" Well, no, I know. But is there anything that you've wanted to like? Is it you got a goofy story that you've just for some reason never been able to tell because nobody asked it? Pretend like I asked it. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, I mean, specifically, no. Uh, I don't know. Like, I have plenty of stories, but I mean, I, I just think you're probably people always ask you the same shit, but there's probably something back there that you've always wanted to talk about that they never asked. Look, I got to talk about Ernest tonight. I'm happy. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm such I'm such an Ernest fan that in Meowie Halloween, the day gets saved using Miak. I haven't watched the Meowie Halloween yet, but I love Meowie. That's my favorite shit. If you liked a Meowie Christmas, you will love a Meowie Halloween, especially as a horror fan, because there's so, there's like 47 horror references in a Meowie Halloween. Oh, shit. Like, they talk about, like, we reference Sutter Kane, we reference the plot of Monster Squad. Uh, when it, my <laughs> buddy's like, "Hey, can we can we invite can we invite my buddy Roy? You mean that ambulance driver? Yeah, something really bad happened to his son." <laughs> uh, my favorite reference is there's a puzzle box in a Meow Halloween that Whiskers finds, and she starts playing with it. But the rat's like, "Hey, Whiskers, you shouldn't mess with that." Yeah, yeah, you're right. We got other stuff to worry about. And then, like at the end of the movie, my police partner rick picks up the box and goes oh it's a puzzle box clicks it and you just see a bright white light and (laughs) and you hear chains and then he disappears that's awesome i did want to ask you about that cat is that your cat that's my cat you still have that cat of course i do she is such a fat cutie (laughs) is mr whiskers really her name (laughs) no her name is gizmo cat which if you read the credits you would know oh Oh, i I don't (laughs) read <laughs> <laughs> oh you said you're from the south so it's <laughs> yeah, see? i get a pass on that one it's okay i was i was bored in florida so oh don't tell anybody that no <laughs> i'm from the south and i read all the time they there's they nothing wrong with florida that's where i'm from. <laughs> <laughs> He's from florida too <laughs> i i was from like deep bayou florida it wasn't good like, swamp florida go along with the hellraiser books i just read the scarlet gospels <laughs> the last hellraiser book and I enjoyed it. It was very, it was very different. It, it follows along Pinhead in hell, trying to find out where, where, like, where Satan is. Like, what, like, he wants to find him. It is fucking good. I loved it. Did you see so the original. the latest Hellraiser movie, the tenth one? 
I tried to watch part of it with the new guy, yeah, because they had to keep the rights. Am I am I not wrong when I say that the best part of that movie is that one set of bike walking around seeing everything go wrong? Yeah. Like <laughs> I want an entire movie based around that. I want a Cenobite that's having a really bad day at work. He's like, oh, I'm going to get so fucking fired. Oh, God. Like, I want The Office. I want The Office, except it's a Cenobite. And thinking of horror movies, I just read that Glenn Danzig is making a movie with Danny Trejo and Eli Roth, and it's a vampire spaghetti western. Fuck yeah. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, let's see. Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Oh, shit, yeah. I'll be watching it. Danny Trejo is like my favorite guy. He's so sweet. <laughs> He's so he is the nicest fucking guy. So, I wanted to ask you, Peter, because we are a conspiracy podcast. Is there a conspiracy that you like, or that you believe in, or that you don't believe in, that you think is absolutely ridiculous? You know? Are you a uh, <laughs> He told me he was well, not in a conspiracy. I, I'm not into conspiracies, but I will say that um, Alexander Johnson in all four Meowie movies is a direct parody of Alex Jones. Oh, no, I knew that. So <laughs> I, knew that. I, I looked deep into a lot of Alex Jones stuff, and a lot of Alexander Johnson's lines are just literally sentences that Alex I Jones has said. I have never watched an Alex Jones video. Oh, okay, is, is he here's, my, here's my thing with Alex Jones. If he was not spouting like legitimately dangerous, harmful shit, and if he didn't do like ultra shitty stuff, just like the like Sandy Hook is a hoax, go harass the parents of these dead children. If those things didn't exist, Alex Jones would be my favorite wrestling character that ever existed because he is fucking hilarious. He is insane. He seems self-aware. There was a fucking episode where he just brought on a llama, and I don't know why there was a llama. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, dancing with the llama. Favorite, my favorite conspiracy is that Alec Jones is actually stand-up comedian uh... Andy Kaufman? No, no, no. The, the <laughs> one that, uh, holy shit, how have I forgotten his name? I don't know this. So I, I've never heard this either. Hold on, let me... <laughs> Now my phone is missing. I can't find it. So that's something to do with Dave Chappelle. No, 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 no. Oh shit! It's Dave Chappelle. White face. It explains everything. <laughs> but my favorite thing that Alex Jones spout was just like suddenly talking about interdimensional psychic vampires. I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah. like now? Like this is insane. And that's why that line is used in all four Meowie movies. Literally all four of them. <laughs> and he has an arc. So. If you, want to, if you want to enjoy the insanity of Alex Jones without supporting the guy that told people to harass parents of dead children, watch the Meowie movies it's called <laughs> Alexander Johnson. Is your drink on fire right now? Uh, this is one of my light-up ice cubes from one of my <laughs> many trips to Disneyland. Oh, okay. I've been, to, I've been to Disneyland 27 times. You've been to Disneyland 27 times? Yes, and world and world three times. I've never been to any of those. I've been to Disney World one time. The crazy conspiracy is that Bill Hicks, this legendary comedian, is now Alex Jones, and it's all a big joke. All I I remember. Very similar to Alex Jacoffman. Almost exactly the same thing. Here's why that's not true. Because if that was true, Dennis Leary would also be being Alex Jones. Yeah, probably. But Dennis Leary's alive, isn't 
Well, no, no. The joke is that Dennis Leary stole all of Bill Hicks's material. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you actually look at, if you have the album for um, Asshole, that comedy story. album, got it. Um, on the uh, on the album for Asshole, the Dennis Leary stand-up show, it literally says writer Bill Hicks, and Bill Hicks yeah. had to fight to get that writing credit because Dennis Leary just took all of Bill Hicks's material and just did it himself. <laughs> oh, to the Bill Hicks everybody everybody steals each other pretty much. Except to be clear, guys. he paid. As far as I know, yeah. I don't want to say this and like be told that I'm wrong because I may be wrong. But like as far as I know, like Dennis Leary paid Bill Hicks for that show. Oh, okay. Most but at the same time, don't want them to. But at the credit. same time, Bill Hicks like stopped smoking and he said, "I only quit smoking to see if Dennis Leary would quit smoking too." <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what's going on. But yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm all of a sudden drunk. <laughs> I'm the drink straw here. <laughs> no, I made the last one. And I thought oh. it was too much. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. They got so drunk, they don't know what we're talking about. Y'all talking about Batman. Y'all talking about Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and all the Spider Man. But before that, Kelly had asked you, what shape is the Earth? <laughs> um, that's actually a more complicated question than it is. It is not flat, but like oh, it's not. Okay. A, it's not a sphere, but it's not like a sphere. It has a specific name, and I forget that. I've never that. actually met a flat earther in real life, so I like to ask people just to Oh, here's the, like here's the point. Uh, you know that fucking meme um, that's like posted on Facebook log where it's just like if you run into a conspiracy theorist, whip out a more insane conspiracy. So if like you meet someone that says uh, the moon landing was fake, you respond, oh, you believe in the moon? I'll say that, yeah. Um, here's the problem with the that. Here's the problem with that. That's how Flat Earth started. <laughs> I was part of the start of Flat Earth. The point, the original point of the Flat Earth conspiracy was, here's how you can take a bunch of legitimate information and word it and phrase it in a way that it makes sense, even though that's not at all close to the fucking truth in order to make you understand that you need to verify sources, that you need to look up information, that you need to listen to actual mm -hmm. experts instead of just listening to what random people on the internet are like reforming information to sound like. And then a bunch of motherfuckers start believing the earth is flat and we're all like, no, this is the opposite of what we meant to do. Our what is happening? But my favorite conspiracies are the ones where it's like these things aren't real, like birds aren't real, Australia yeah. isn't real. I saw one the other day that Maryland isn't real. <laughs> uh, for me, it's Wyoming. I got that conspiracy from the Garfield cartoon. Have, do you know anyone from Wyoming? No, I, just I don't. It's because if, if you go by the, the amount that, it, that can be wrong by population countage, Wyoming has the right population that the plus or minus amount could be off so there's enough people in wyoming that minus one percent and eh, there's roughly seven million people wyoming might not exist if that count is right there's a bunch of countries that are like exactly the right amount that if you take the, like the the population your population minus, minus three percent is off well this whole country might not exist well yeah it does we know it doesn't but it could not. Look, it's like in the middle of the country. They're in the hole. Well, no, of course not. That's the point. Yeah, no, the, the point is you can use statistics to make. Hey, if you want to go there, feel free. But yeah. I've been to Centralia, PA, and I almost fell through the fucking earth. I'm not going to risk that with Wyoming. Wyoming um, is where that 70s show is, isn't it? 
Is it? No, no it's no. Wisconsin. Yeah. Because yeah. they're great. Right there. Yeah. 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 Um, Wyoming is one of those four states in like a square, right? Do y'all know anybody who's ever been to Wyoming? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> can you I, prove to me right now that Wyoming is. Well, before I like, that, I like did the you know bird anybody from South Carolina? Yeah, I'm absolutely. Sure did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because South Carolina is real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that just blew up in my face. Well, also, because this from Florida and South Carolina is not far away. From oh, Florida. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I liked the bird conspiracy because that when there was that government shutdown, suddenly there weren't a lot of birds around, and everyone went, <laughs> "Wait, wasn't this a joke?" <laughs> yeah, birds are all fake. They're spreading five G waves. Oh yeah. my God, drones. <laughs> Oh, no but, shit. I saw a headline the other day. Well, it was probably like a month ago. Apparently, somebody, I want to say it's Pickens, that's a county close to us, had a bunch of show pigeons that got stolen. Did y'all see that shit? This is Pickens County. You know, you live in Pickens. Yeah. I thought uh, we were in Easley. Easley said Pickens County. So I'm terrible with time, so everything was either like right now or years ago. <laughs> but anyway, so somebody near y'all raises show pigeons and they all got stolen i wouldn't even know how to steal a bird apparently they, they were like highly trained messenger pigeons messenger pigeons they were but this dude had like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of them and they all got stolen <laughs> just like in his house they just like check out all my messenger pigeons yeah. <laughs> Highly trained <laughs> messenger pigeons that never Why came somebody back. somebody from Pickens, South Carolina, need messenger pigeons? That sounds like meth delivery. What are the doomsdayers? You know, like, I need to get word to the next settlement. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well, what about Chuck? That's that's rat? hard to. Yeah, well, Chuck was. A rat played by Keita the rat who passed away after a meowy Halloween. Aww. Uh let's get let's get sad for a second. Here's the problem with rats: their life expectancy is two to four years. Yeah. However, here's the thing with rats: they're basically puppies in terms of like how much they love you. They know their names. They come up to you. They give you kisses. Well, so like, they are. so you get attached to them so strongly, and you have them for such a short amount of time that it's hard. Yeah. Here's the thing about Keita who played Chuck though. She was sick when we started shooting a Meowie Halloween. One of the reasons, only one, but one of the reasons I made a Meowie Halloween was that I knew we weren't going to have Keita much longer, and I wanted one more thing for Keita to be in to, like, live forever. As oh. dumb as silly as that sounds. No, that's no, amazing. Sorry, I'm tearing up now. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> she did not die. Like, she was really bad. She had really bad tumors. She couldn't eat solid food. But she still, like, came up to the cage. She still was, like, herself and stuff. And she was so bad and so sick, but she did not pass until a Meowie Halloween literally was done exporting and was, like, finished. Oh. She waited, I think, because she's that she was that much of a professional <laughs> that uh, she did not, like, let go until I was like, it's okay, the movie's over, you can go. I have everything that I need, baby. Oh, and then she, like, she passed away in our hands, Aline and I's hands, that oh. night. And that was right after All In, the uh, wrestling pay-per-view that I went to. I came home and she waited for me to come home before she died. Well, that was sad, somebody tell a joke. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, in a Meowie 3, because some people ask me, because I did a Meowie 3, and people were like, oh, so did you just get a rat that looks like Hita to be Chuck again? I'm like, no. I'm not going to lie to kids that animals live forever. 
So canonically, Chuck dies in the Meowie movies. He dies between Meowie 2 and 3. And the, grave, and the grave that you see in Meowie 3 that Whiskers visits is actually Keita's real grave. Oh. I'm very drunk. So ask me things you're curious about when it comes to Carousel or filmmaking, because I'm at pure honesty and cynicism right now. Oh, pure honesty and cynicism. Um, let's One time I was a special guest at a convention. They were like, hey, do you want to have a panel to talk about filmmaking? I'm like, sure. Do you, does it have to have a specific theme? And they're like, no, do whatever you want. So my panel was, my advice to independent filmmakers, don't. And it was just <laughs> an hour. That would be my question. And um, it was an hour of like everything that's wrong with filmmaking these days, how hard it is to sell, how hard it is to make money, everything that'll go wrong during pre-production, production, post-production. Because I had already started. I was going to go first. So. I did already. He answered it. No, he answered it, and then I said he stole mine, so now I get another one. He stole mine. No, you're the second one. I, I just literally want to know one thing. Okay, you go, no, no, you go first because you're in the center of the face. fucking camera. He's not on camera. He's Don't not listen even to on him. Camera, right? yeah, no. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you, oh. <laughs> no, okay. If if I decided that tomorrow, me and Ryan were gonna make us a horror movie. Fuck that guy. He's off camera. <laughs> Obviously, he's a lower <laughs> tier than me. Is a right? ghost saying I can't something? I can't, hear you over, I can't hear you over this echo of a little bitch. <laughs> what do I need to... What do we need? What's the first thing we need to do? Let's say we've already got an idea for a movie. We've already okay. written a script. What's the very first thing we need to do? First thing you need to do is figure out how much money you fucking have that you can make this movie with. It's zero dollars. Okay, no, you aren't gonna. Here's. Here, you want the fucking honest answer? You aren't gonna raise any fucking money for this movie. No, nobody knows. Nobody knows who you are. You haven't made anything before. You are gonna raise a fucking dime. So you need to figure out what you can afford out of pocket to spend on it. Do not use fucking credit cards. Oh, God, do not. No. Do not get a fucking loan, but whatever excess money you have, you need to take that and be like, okay, I can spend $1,000 on this movie. I had a short film idea that we and I don't fucking care. I'm answering the fucking question. Well, that's what I'm saying with it. Like, I, like I, I had one with like a super low budget, but how would you get it out there? Yeah. Well, we are we are getting it out there yet. I, we're on. We just wrote the script. What do we do? I'll get to post production next, dipshit. <laughs> All of it's a statement, by the way. Yes. I don't fucking care. Do it. This could be the trailer for this episode. We run a clean show. You gotta watch the fucking mouth. So the first thing you need to do as a creator is you need to figure out what legitimate excess money you have that you can spend on this movie and potentially never see again. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you need to do. And honestly, I would say come up with that before you write the script so that you can write within your budget. I know oh. way too many people that have been like, oh, I wrote this movie, but I can't make it for less than $500,000. I'm like, well, then you have fucking nothing. What? You have nothing. Um, and then from there, then you need to figure out, okay, so like, what can we do ourselves to save money versus who do we need to pay and hire for the film? That's that's the order. So like, like Kara's Hell was like, or Captain Z, you know, we have five-figure budgets. So we can hire everyone. We can hire someone for camera. We can hire someone for sound. We can hire someone for makeup. I'm going to audition actors and pay them to be in the movie. Whereas like a meow, the Meowie movies is just like, okay, I have a few hundred dollars. I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to direct it. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to act in it because I need to save fucking money. So, like, that's kind of where that decision comes into play. It's just, like, how much can I pay others versus how much do I need to do myself? 
then when if you're doing it yourself and you figure out like what you're shooting on what you're recording on you know i have a, a rode microphone and a zoom h4n which is even like one of the cheaper recording devices but it gets good audio quality for how much it costs. I think it's like $300 on Amazon. And I've had that thing for fucking years. I completely recommend that. You need a, at least one legitimate audio recording device and microphone for any movie. Because yeah, the yeah, biggest know. fucking thing you're going to notice in an indie movie that's bad is the sound. Yeah. If the sound is fine, you're, you can get away with so much more. But if like, the sound is on camera audio, people are going to be like, this is fucking shit instantly. Yeah. You can shoot the movie on your fucking cell phone. I don't care, but if you don't have good sound, that's fine. That's fine. This fucking S20 shoots 4K. And I'm just like, fucking, I spent $2,000 on a DVX 100B to shoot basic slaughter on. And that was fucking 480p. That's the reason I got it. I have an S20 also. I just got the S21 Ultra and it does 8K video. 8K. That's too many Ks. That's a lot of Ks. My TV won't even play at me, Case. Man, <laughs> that's what's the point. So, I, I, mean, I mean, 3Ks is already pretty racist. 8,000 Ks. <laughs> um, and, and then for there, you need to figure out who's playing who. And then you need to figure out your fucking schedule. That's a very important thing. You really oh, need see, to see, we're terrible with scheduling. You know that just from. <laughs> you need to get good. Yeah. I mean it. Like, class that's one of the things that I am good at is scheduling people in such a way so that people are on set for the like a least amount of time possible. Um, or like we, sh- you, sh- you need to shoot like if you have one, excuse me, if you have one actor, if you can get all their stuff done in like two days or three days, you put you figure out what you need to do to get those three days together so they can be fucking done and gone. Because that's another thing with like indie stuff, especially if you aren't paying much or if you aren't paying at all, you need to make sure that you get everything that you need in the shortest amount of time as possible. Because, you know, like, hey, let's say you shoot five shooting days with this guy and you're like, oh, we need one more day a month from now. And then that guy is gone because you weren't paying him anyway. Why the like, why would he stay? Why like what loyalty does he have? Now you're fucked. So like I have made a few things like the meowies. Uh, which like I explained to everyone, like this is a non-paying gig because I only have like three to five hundred dollars to make this entire fucking movie. But what I would do in exchange for that is just like film all of their stuff in like one day or two days based on their availability and work around that, or at least make it as short as possible so that if I needed them for a specific day, it was way easier for like say Sarah Atkins in a Meowie Halloween. I was like, I really need you on this day, but only for four hours, and that's it. And it's way easy for her to like schedule that, even though she did not get a paycheck for that movie specifically. Um, then, of course, you need to shoot the movie. Uh, somewhat important part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so now we can get to answering the question of how you get it out there, Ryan. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, if this used to be an easier question 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I would say you need to like cut the movie together, get it on DVD, self-produce it, and go to conventions and sell the DVD. Like, get screenings at conventions and sell the DVD there and build up your audience based on that and then have your own website. These days, because of streaming services, it has devalued what an individual film is worth. It's completely... Like, as a consumer, it's fucking awesome to be able to toss on Amazon Prime and watch whatever I want. But as a creator... 
I get paid one cent per hour streamed for my movies on Amazon Prime. And that's if I uploaded my own movie to the service directly. If a distributor like Cares Hell, I get 60% of one penny oh. for every hour streamed of Cares Hell. Does that go per user? Like if I just go home and set your movie on repeat, do you get paid with every time? Prime, it's per user. I think with Tubi, I think with Tubi TV, it's not per user because that one's ad-based. Yeah. So Tubi is better than Prime, but it's still not enough to make a profit. Oh, I mean, if you're, if you're making a movie for nothing, like the Miami movies, I don't care as much. But like Harris Hell, there's no way. If I put Harris Hell on Prime and Tubi myself, that movie's not making a fucking profit ever. Like Everyone Must Die, I finally put on Tubi myself directly because I got the rights back to it. And I didn't advertise it. I didn't promote it. And it made like $70 in October, which is great for like a an eight-year-old movie that I didn't promote. But at the same time, if I promoted it, maybe, maybe it would have made like a few hundred dollars. If a movie has a five-figure budget, you ain't fucking making your fucking money back on a few hundred dollars during the most profitable month ever. That is crazy. I so, have no idea. Yeah, so these days I would say if it's like a very no-budget, low-budget release, release it physically on your own website first, promote it on your Facebooks, promote it on your Twitters, promote it on your Instagrams, try to get some physical sales. Uh, conventions still do work. Again, most of my profits, most of my uh, income from my movie making is still conventions, but it's just so much less than it used to be. Like my worst movies used to make way more money than I do now with way better movies because less people buy movies because I can pay $10 and get infinite movies on Prime. Or I can watch it. Is it on Netflix? Fuck you. Anyone who's ever asked me if my movie's on Netflix, suck my ass. Suck my fucking ass. Um, Netflix pays even worse because they pay like $2,000 for a year of unlimited streaming. Which And no one that streams on Netflix buys the movie afterwards. Fucking no one. Go fuck yourself if you claim that you do. Because uh, that means that you, pro you, you specifically may do, but it's not enough to justify the cost that we're losing. <laughs> Thousands of people seed Captain Z and Carousel. Those two specific movies are my most pirated movies. And it hurts because it's basically like um, full offense intended. Um, it's basically like um, I put in like hundreds of hours of work and stress into something. And all I'm asking is a payment of either buying a copy or even like $3 to rent it. And people are getting it for free. And it hurts. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Like it, it's um and some people will be like oh those people were never going to buy the movie anyway but like i have specifically spoken to people directly that have said like oh i was going to buy it but then i found it so i pirated it mm -hmm. or like i pirated carousel um i would have bought it but i found a file i bought the meowies though i'm like okay well that's better but at the same time it's just like if if you like something you need to support it yeah so and I'm, always I'm, do, so. here's my order of the best way to support me. And I'm, this is very specific to me. I'm not speaking on behalf of other creators, not speaking half of other uh, directors. The order of the best way to support me, although number one is going to be the same for everyone. Number one is buy a physical copy. We absolutely get our biggest cut. Even if it's through a distributor, we get our biggest cut through physical sales. If, especially if you buy a movie from silverspotlightfilms.com, that is my biggest cut of money. Second place for me is Steve Buster because again it's all of my fucking movies it's all of my bonus features and it's exclusive stuff that isn't available for sale anymore for three dollars which let me be clear on one hand that is kind of insultingly low for everything that I'm giving you and I'm not 
I'm not angry about that. I'm just like trying to make a point is that like $3 to access literally every movie I've made for the past 10 fucking years is insane. But at the same time, you spending $3 is equal to 300 people streaming one of my movies on Prime. Yeah. So as low as that is, that's still so much better. I'm actually loving the subscription thing. I was playing with it at work the other night. You do. You have so much shit on there. And like, Thank you. I've, I've never used that website before, so it took me a while to figure out what I was doing. But I started like bookmarking some of your shit so that I could find it later. Because for, like for like a day, like I was scrolling through just looking, and I'm like, wait a minute, I remember I saw this, and I need to look at this. So I figured out bookmarks, and I figured out a lot of shit. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes the search engine is not great. If which I'm using it on my phone. I don't know if maybe it's better if you're doing it on a regular. I, I use it on a PC myself. I don't know about phone, so I'm, I'm doing it on my phone at work. If you have <laughs> any issues finding anything, just shoot me a message because, like, I have like the direct links to everything, so I just be like, boom, here it is. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm loving yeah. it so far, though. Like, you're re- doing really good keeping up with it. I love all the shit that you're posting on there. Especially now, because like I don't have the time or the um, energy to focus on making new stuff for this for the website because we're focused on Carousel the Second. So I at least want to like, hey, here's the first look at fucking Robbie. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and like next week, just you wait. You're gonna get Robbie with his full like hands animation and shit. Oh shit! And I'm excited as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I told her I was like, God, I don't need another subscription. But now I feel like I do need to know. No, it is absolutely worth it. I love it. Like, I spent all night the last three nights at work with just like So as soon as we get you off can, here, I'm going to be subscribing. Thank you. Like, you can subscribe for three months. That's not what I did. $9. You can unsub after that. I don't care. But, like, you get <laughs> all of my movies. And you can, like, save them. Like, you can keep them after you unsubscribe. That's one of my selling that. points. Yeah. Well, because it's all unlisted YouTube. So yeah. you can just bookmark the YouTube link if you want. Oh, see, that's for smart people. Don't tell people that. <laughs> no, I don't care if they know. Honestly, <laughs> so long as they pay me once. That's all. I just like politely ask people to not share the links if they aren't like to people that aren't subscribed. That's all I'm <laughs> requesting. Do you remember I messaged you? The whole reason that I got your link to that website is because I was trying to buy the original Meowie. Yeah. Why is that one not on Amazon? Well, oh, here's the thing. It was a huge. It wasn't just Biawi, to be clear. I actually got. Let me be. Let me like preempt the story with this statement: is that I actually got away unscathed for a long time. But Prime was going through a huge, like purge, um, controversy where Prime started just purging hundreds, thousands of indie titles with no recourse, no explanation, no logic, like. No budget, awful, low-rated, shitty movies were getting both removed and also kept on the service. And like major, well, major, uh, like six-figure budgeted indie movies with like star names and like a lot of views and high ratings were both getting kept and removed. And again, like no explanation is given aside from their generic, this didn't meet Amazon quality and uh, no recourse. You can't resubmit. You can't like file an appeal. You can't do anything. They were just removing shit. And like, this was also affecting distributors. I know like people that, I know distributors. I know people that work for distributors at the top levels. There were just like, we just lost like a hundred of our fucking titles off of Prime out of fucking nowhere. And like, they kept doing it. And for a long time, 
I was untouched. And then finally last year, they killed a Meowie Christmas and um, Super Task Force One got killed. But they left all the other ones. There's nothing. They actually also killed a Meowie Halloween. However, then, not- but then I signed up for an aggregator called Film Hub, which is an aggregator that submits to like every streaming website. And it actually got a Maui Halloween back on Prime Video, but not Christmas. Yeah, I saw, because I actually started watching the Maui Christmas Vacation. Oh, the four, do you watch the ending first? Well, and I don't want to spoil it for the people, but something happened when I realized I was not watching the right thing. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I started Googling, and you know, I went to the website, but I think what had happened was, I think I clicked on the Canadian link. And that's what was telling me there were no USA orders available. But that's what mm. I meant to do. You remember? Yeah. And then you sent me your thing. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do this. <laughs> I mean, the, the upside with Carousel, like, exploding and, like, becoming bigger is that I've been able to tell a lot of people to, like, that have, like, you are not the only person that said, where can I watch a Meowie Christmas, the first Meowie movie? And I've had to say, unfortunately, right now, it's either you buy the DVD, the Blu-ray, or you go to Steve Buster. Yeah, um, which and, I tried to buy, but I clicked the wrong thing, I guess. <laughs> clearly, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, because international shipping is fucking nuts, especially right now. Like, they upped all the prices and stuff. If I s- actually sell to anywhere outside of the United States, I'm basically losing money on every sale. But, you know, that's a weird thing, too, because I've noticed, like, with Netflix, a lot of the series, they don't have the first like the first episode of the-, the first like movie like forever you could oh. not watch the original nightmare on m street but you could watch all the others well a part of it is because like they can make money selling the first one still so why put that up to yeah. free viewing yeah that's netflix pays shit to everyone even more than the other streaming websites and that's why like say doctor who actually moved completely to prime off of netflix that's why other films uh, don't use Netflix and other companies started their own streaming websites because Netflix kept paying so fucking little for how many subscribers they have. Because yeah. Netflix was just like, oh, we'll put all of our money into original stuff. And then all of the studios and all of the independent creators are like, okay, well then fuck you then. We're going to leave. <laughs> um, because they pay so little that most of the stuff on Netflix is either last ditch effort money making or we are literally using this as advertisement for what we're selling now. But yeah, anyway, uh, you watching Meowie Four is hilarious to me because where the movie, where the I series ends up, it was like the first ten minutes before I realized it was the wrong. <laughs> okay, I mean I'll spoil a little bit because for the longest time, uh, no one had any idea Meowie Four existed. I kept for an entire year. I kept up kayfabe saying that I was only making Meowie Three and like talking about oh I can't believe I'm going to make you be making my first trilogy is a meowie movies like <laughs> i didn't even hint that there was a fourth meowie movie but i shot them both at the same time <laughs> and i fucking love it because the way three ends is wally gets sent to the future and that's the post credit scene of three is that wally like he's just like where am i and someone a previous character runs up with an iPad to be like, Wally, it's the year 2050. You've been missing for 30 years. Well, that's the part that I made it to in the Christmas vacation one where he's in the field or whatever talking to yeah. the guy. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not what's supposed to be. Like that. Oh. <laughs> so I start 
logged it. I even went back to the IMDb and was reading, and I was like, this is absolutely not what it's. But I love the idea that if people ask me, like, what are the Meow movies about? I can be like, okay, well, the first one is about a cat that watches Alex Jones videos. So she thinks two burglars are lizard aliens breaking into her house. Right. And then the fourth movie is about her owner being in the in the year 2050 where lizard aliens have taken over the planet. <laughs> Guess you got to watch all four of these to understand how this makes any fucking sense. Good luck. <laughs> Because I just got weirder. Like, a Meowly Christmas, I played it relatively safe. Um, because it was my first kids' movie. Like, I remember one of the... I was supposed to say kids. <laughs> uh, they're all PG. Like, they're all, like, PG family films. Yeah. Um, uh, that's one of the things I love about them. Especially because, like, a Meowly Halloween, I've sold more of that at horror conventions than any of my R-rated horror. Um, but, like... I played it really safe because, like, I kind of made the first one out of spite. I was making it to make fun of this movie series called The Dog Who Saved Christmas because it was, like, so cheap and milk toast. And I was like, fuck these movies. I hate them so much because they have so much money and they're wasting it. Um, but, like, there's this one specific point where, like, at the end of A Meowy Christmas, when Wally takes the gem back and he's just like, hey, here's your ruby. Can we go? And he's about to ask... Um, uh, Miss McCall on a date, and then her husband shows up. Originally, that's supposed to be her wife, and I was like, "Oh, it'd just be fun to have a lesbian couple in a kids' movie. Who cares?" But then at the same time, I was like, "Fuck! If I do this, people are going to fucking bitch and complain and make it a big fucking deal for no fucking what? reason." So in the first movie, I axed that idea, but then in the Meowy Halloween, again, Wally starts to ask a woman out, and then her wife shows up. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't care now. The first movie made its money. I'm going to get fucking weird. And that's why Meowly Halloween has like so many horror references. And I can't wait to watch that one. And then the third movie is even fucking weirder because it's Freaky Friday where I switch bodies with my cat. So I'm playing my cat. And then the fourth movie is just like, fuck it. It's in the future. The climax is a wrestling match between me and the alien emperor. So you have to do it spice next. Yes, obviously. You got to do it spice next. Yeah. No, Meowie 4, Meowie 4 is the ending. It would have been so easy to just make those for the rest of my life because they're so cheap. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. So when people like really liked one and two and they did really, really well, I was like, okay, I'll like, I'll, I'll send off the franchise with a bang, but I need to make this the ending, you know? So that's why I did three and four back to back. So it was more than just one more movie, but at the same time, I was like, okay, this is it. Would so you, you be get... open to making, like, short meowies to put on your subscription service, just for us long-term fans over here? I will say that, I, I will say that the, the possibility of that is higher than zero, but I will say <laughs> that anything that I do make more in the meow universe takes place before four. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I do want to make. Well, I don't know because I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, no. Um, like no one dies, but but I do feel like four is the last story, especially because like the franchise is like I put way too much fucking thought into my weird fucking cheap ass fucking movies. But as you as you heard me describing the like the plot of Duke being like, who am I for this <laughs> for this comedy horror franchise? Um, but like the the Meow series is very much on purpose in the sense of like a passing of the torch in terms of like who matters so like the first movie is all about whiskers there's a lot of wally but he's completely pointless to the plot <laughs> but he's so cute in that. oh thank you 
the second movie, it is again mostly Whiskers driving the plot, and Wally is on like a side plot that is fake and not real. But it sort of ends with him actually helping and being part of what actually matters. Then the third film, although Whiskers is in the forefront and is the main character, she is in Wally's body. So even though it is Whiskers, it's mostly Wally on screen. And then by the fourth film, it actually becomes Wally's story. And Whiskers is actually finally in the B plot where like she doesn't matter and she can't help. And it finally is actually in the hands of this fucking dipshit detective to solve the problem. <laughs> but it's like, it was very, very gradual and very, very much on purpose in my opinion. So I would never want to lose that arc and yeah. losing four being the last one. So like, if we, I like, there could be cartoons, there could be like short, there could be storybooks, there can be shorts that I make for other holidays, but they in my mind, they would all have to be during when Wally is missing or like right before three happens. They cannot be after four, in my opinion. I got you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to go home and watch all of them back to back. Yeah, I want to see all of them. Let me know what you think. It is a fucking weird journey. It is a weird fucking journey. (laughs) What I'm saying so far, I love. And I was just super excited about the storyline from Meow. I was like, wait a minute, because conspiracy theory cat. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Bumble and burglars, I think is what it said on IMDb. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted. I've only seen Carousel, but I wanted to ask you about Carousel, and I wanted to ask you if, like, because there are so many scenes in it that are so funny, is there anything that you just had to shoot, like, over and over because people started laughing? I was, I wouldn't say because people started laughing. We had a very professional set in that sense. Like, we didn't laugh until I yelled cut, and then people lost it. But I will say that Chris Proud is quite the improviser. Sometimes to a detriment, but there was definitely a lot of times where he was just going nuts and we had to retake it because of his physicality, because that's one of the important things with um, uh, depth of field when you're making a movie is the it's just like you have a 2D plane. You can go left, right. You cannot come forward. You cannot come back. So, And even then, there's a few moments in Carousel where Chris Proud is completely out of focus. And it's because we had to retake those scenes and those were the best fucking scenes that we had. Um, but he was hilarious and amazing. But my favorite take that made me fall on the ground out of breath was when he, um, uh, uh, look at my face. I got money for you. I got money for you, pizza boy. Wasn't in the script wasn't in the script where he calls me pizza boy and i fucking like i especially when we were like editing the fucking movie i couldn't watch that scene without crying (laughs) and that's why like for the rest of the movie he keeps calling me pizza boy and it's because we just so happened to film the first time he calls me pizza boy before the other scene so he just kept going back to it since it worked so well pizza boy when i was telling them to watch it i was like (laughs) I'm, I'm really glad. I was Chris like, by the way, the guy we're interviewing, he's also the pizza boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you said earlier, uh, I guess it was Amazon Prime cut out the sex scene from Carousel. Is there anything yes. else that they cut out or is that it? There's a couple of shots at the end during Robbie's birth. That's Duke's son, Robbie. Yeah. Um, Like in the, on the physical release cut and on Steve Buster, you like, 
Miss Lawrence comes in. It cuts to her face. She goes, uh, like, she, you see the stomach moving. And it cuts to her face saying, oh, my God. And then it cuts to between Haley's legs. And you see Robbie, like, <laughs> like on the floor. And then it cuts back to Miss Lawrence. And then it cuts to Robbie standing up, leaping at Miss Lawrence. For some reason, they cut out the, the shot of Robbie in between Haley's legs. <laughs> and I'm just like, and like, don't you didn't see any fucking badge. It was literally you saw two thighs and a baby. But I guess they didn't want to, people to know where babies come from. So do they not get with you first? I had no idea those scenes were cut until so I saw that it was. Them and they cut it however they want and then release it. Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Wow. They signed for the rights and they get the movie. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah. you don't know. So you have to literally be like the first one to watch it to be like, <laughs> I mean, when they, I when, they first, when they first released it physically, everything was intact. And they first put it on Amazon themselves intact. Like, you could buy it digitally on Amazon and get the full real movie. Yeah. But then they took it off of Amazon because they went through an aggregator to, like, submit it to multiple things. And that's when I noticed, like, hey, wait a second. This cut is two minutes shorter, according to Amazon. <laughs> I bet they fucking cut the sex scene. <laughs> And I was right, which is I, like, on one hand, it's a bummer because like so many people will say that is the scene. Like yeah, that's I the coup de gras <laughs> of the movie. Like there's so many like reviews on like Letterboxd and like other stuff where it's just like, I guarantee there's one scene in this movie you've never seen before. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, like even as a creator, like, yeah, obviously I don't want my creation to be edited or cut down. Hashtag Lidzinski cut. Let's go. Being you, Zack Snyder, we're doing this. Um, but if that's the only way that they can make sure the Prime and Tubi wouldn't remove it, yeah, that's better than it not being on the service at all. Well, um, is there, and this might be like a newbie who knows jack shit about anything question, but so let's say you sign the contract with Amazon Prime. Is there not an option to put in there to where they have to consult with you before they cut stuff? No. No, it's just like, hey, either ours or we're not doing it. As soon as I sign it off to Wild Eye, they own the movie when it comes to distribution. I still own the rights to Carousel, that's why I'm able to make a sequel without them, use the characters without them. I would never sign off the rights to a franchise to any other company. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Yeah. But so they can just do whatever. They can cut out as much as they want. And they don't have yeah. to tell you or anything. They can cut it out. They can add shit if they wanted to. Um, that that sort of contract stuff is oh, also. I didn't with know they could add shit. Oh, like, how would they go about doing that? You're like, yeah, like so there. Well, like, imagine, ass. imagine that you're a distributor that um so happens to get the rights to an indie horror movie called, say, Scarecrows. And for some reason, it does really well on the video rental market and it makes a lot of money. And then some other independent horror filmmakers try selling you a movie called The Maze, which is about people getting lost in a corn maze and there's a scarecrow in it. Oh, well, let's film a couple scenes with this actor referring to scarecrows. And now we're releasing The Maze as Scarecrow 2 because Scarecrow 1 made money. Oh my God. But then you don't get anything because you sold it for. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you, well, you no, you, you. 
like I, I get a cut of the profits, but at the same time, the way distributors work is that they will charge you up front yeah. for new, new art, new trailers. Oh, I saw the thing fucking... you posted the other day about that. And that's, I, I had no idea, which I've never yeah. looked into how any of that works. But that's... I like to be very open and honest with that shit. Again, that was part of my panel too. You know, my advice to filmmakers don't is that distributors are almost certainly never going to make you money. Yeah. Um, oh, sometimes you get really lucky and you do, um, other times it is going to be a waste. Like the producer wanted a uh, distributor for Captain Z. I was just like, you fucking should not do this. Like well, Captain, so- Z- Captain Z is going to do well if you sell it yourself. But if you try, if you give it to a distributor, you're not going to see a fucking cent. He's just like, no, I want a distributor. I'm like, okay, buddy, good luck. Cares I- hell. I knew we weren't going to, it was going to be like a loss, but we were banking on like the marketability because Wild Eye is a relatively large company. And a relatively well-known distributor. So we were just like, if Carousel can get to Wild Eye, Carousel will get, at least get to a lot of eyes, and then we can hopefully use that to sell our other shit and maybe make a Carousel too. So, and like, I was about to ask you, like, how important is a distributor? Let's say that we did make a movie, you know, whatever. And do you think we could become as popular as Carousel did? just marketing ourselves on Twitter and Facebook and as popular as Karis Hell, probably not. Because again, especially like Wild Eye is its own brand, kind of like Troma is. Like there's a lot of people that would just be like, I want to buy every Wild Eye movie. Yeah. Um and as as much as I will be openly honest and cynical about Wild Eyes profitability for me <laughs> yeah. um, i do have to admit that wild eye got carousel into a lot of news websites that would not have covered carousel if i emailed them directly yeah um Car- uh, wild eye got a copy of carousel into the hands of like a lot of youtuber viewers who never knew i existed before they got a review copy from for carousel and even if they're all their videos are getting like 50 views like I mean, they got them to like dozens of YouTube reviewers. So like every YouTube reviewer that has 50 fans, all those 50 fans were finding Carousel. Um, And again, like major horror websites were covering it that wouldn't have covered it if I emailed them directly, stuff like that. Yeah. But in terms of you selling it directly, you would be better off not having a distributor, especially if you have any sort of fan base for this podcast as a starting point. And then you start using shit like Twitter and Facebook to push it and Instagram to push it further. And then again, like I do would say like get, get booths at conventions as a vendor, try to get into their film fest if they have one or their screening room, if they have one, and then like print posters to hang up, be like, come see our screening on Saturday. And you fucking go to that convention and you'd be a fucking carnival barker. That's how I fucking yeah. started. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'd be like, hey, you like fucking horror movies? Go on up here. We got this one right here. Everyone must die. Hey, you like blood? You got tits? Boom. Everyone must die. We got 17 like kills. We yeah. got three sets of triple D tits. Bada bang. $10, baby. Yes. <laughs> if, if we were at a con and you were there, like, we, were, we would be at your table like the whole time, just fucking hanging out, like bothering the shit out of you. Just bro. stand to the side so people can buy my movies. That's all yeah. I ever ask. <laughs> Anyone, I'm looking at the camera. I don't know if this show gets uploaded with picture, but I'm looking at the camera. Probably not. Okay. I would just pretend that I'm. We do have a YouTube. Is it okay with you if we put this on? Fuck it. Do it. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Um, 
but I'm looking at the camera for those just listening. I don't know how many listeners you have, but if you come up to a convention <laughs> booth and you stand there for 15 minutes talking and you don't buy anything, I fucking hate you. I hope you die in a fucking fire. Not a fire! That's my favorite phrase. <laughs> Fuck you. Or, or that you drown. That it's nice and oh, slow no, so you know you're going to die. You know you're going to die and it doesn't hurt, but it's coming. Because that is the fucking biggest dick move you can do to an independent creator at a convention. Just being like standing there and fucking doing nothing and just blocking other people from even looking at your booth. I can hard sell to like random people really easily unless someone is blocking my fucking booth. I can't even call them over. Yeah, whenever we go to conventions, we always buy stuff from people that we know and we're friends with, so... We're, we're not those assholes. Yeah, we, we'll be calling people over to your booth, son. We'll be yeah. like, hey, y'all know this guy? We know this hey, guy. I appreciate that. Again, if, <laughs> as soon as I can, I'll be getting the COVID vaccine. And once I get the vaccine, I'll feel a lot safer about traveling and going places. So I will try to come to the next convention near you guys. Fucking and also, man. now you're a drug theory friend for life, so we will plug yeah. your shit yeah. forever. And we're gonna be plugging that ass. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, my 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 cosplay screen name is the Amazing Spider Steve, so that my tagline could be "Look at that ass." Ass standing for, of course, Look Amazing Spider ass. Steve. <laughs> But we will be plugging your stuff for We will, but we're friends for life now. You're my favorite. We love you so much. Thank you. Um, I do realize that we've taken up almost two and a half hours of your time. So we should probably end this. Um, go ahead and plug your show again. or not your Okay, show, absolutely. Plug your shit again. All right, I've been making movies for 10 fucking years. If you want to watch 11 of my movies, here's your options. Um, you can go to silverspotlightfilms.com. All of my DVDs and Blu-rays are available for sale there. Um, that is the best way to support me if you can afford it. I know that the past year has been fucking bad, so if you can't afford buying 11 DVDs, I understand. Option two, stevebuster.com, baby. Yeah! Right. <laughs> for either $2.99 a month if you sign up for three months or $4.99 a month if you sign up for one month, you can legitimately access all of my feature films, all of the bonus features that were on those discs, and a lot of older stuff that is no longer available for sale, and a lot of exclusive stuff that I'm filming only for Steve Buster, such as like the Maui Retrospective, which is like two and a half hours long by itself. And all of the Carousel 2 news is getting posted to Steve Buster first. So it's like, we're at like, I want to say 25 plus hours of content on stevebuster.com if you actually watch everything for $3 a month. Uh, so that's second place. And then if you, you know, if you're a cheap motherfucker and you don't care if I have food to eat, I guess you can watch it on 2B TV or, <laughs> or Prime Video. Um, all, a lot of my stuff, but not all of my stuff, but a lot of my stuff is on 2B TV and on Prime Video. So at worst case scenario, you can watch Cares Hell on 2B TV. And if you like it, consider buying some of my stuff or subscribing to cbuster.com. Um, if you want to watch me, if you want to look at me wearing spandex or shirtless or posting pictures of my cat, I am on Instagram at Dark Mullet. And of course, on Facebook, you can find my public profile, Steve Radzinski, look me up, or the Silver Spotlight page, facebook.com slash Silver Spotlight Films. And that's where a lot of the other news gets posted or the news that will get posted after it's posted on Steve Buster. So that's all the places you can find me. So please come find me.
Come find him because he's like my new favorite dude. Absolutely. You win drunk theory. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What number of drink are you on? This is three. Oh man, I've had so many. We've had so many. <laughs> I would have had more, but since I'm the guest, I can't be like, hey, fuckers, talk about something while I go get another drink. So I had to ask Alina Isley. The, the Coke, I'd ask the co-creator of Carousel, can you please bring me more whiskey? <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and joining us. This was absolutely my favorite shit, and I'm about to go home and watch all of these meow. I'm a, I'm a meow fan. I'm going to be a even just on the first one. <laughs> I, would, I would say you can watch all four meowies in one sitting. Oh, like. Because the first one's an hour, the second one is fifty over fifty minutes, but then like three and four combined is like seventy-two minutes. So like that's it's like you're watching two and a half movies. Yeah, we will definitely do that. And thank you again for coming. This was so much fun. Well, I look forward to coming back after you all watch Care's Health a second. Oh, and you absolutely will. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Oh no, you know what we need to do? We need to do a um we need to do a thing where we're doing this and we're watching it live. Oh, like celebrity watching TV? Yeah. <laughs> we, need to, we need to do the celebrity watching TV thing and you can sit with us while we watch Carousel 2 for the first time. And I'd be game for that. The plague is over and conventions come back. We can uh, have you on for Drunk Theory Live. That's right. Because we're going we're gonna to try to get in on some convention shit too. <laughs> that sounds like a plan for all of us. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me so much. Bye. Bye.